the magic button. <laughs> God is so good. You know, I was just thinking um, when we apply the word good to our human lives, it's so small, it's so little, it's almost so insignificant. But when we apply God is good, when we apply the word good to God, wow, it's just magnified. And while God um, calls us to be good, um, and we, we wrestle with what that means in our lives. It's only God through us <laughs> that we can be good. And I'm just so, um, grateful that His goodness can go through us by His Spirit. Um, I'm just here for our, our corporate prayer praying together. And, um, uh, I'm going to be praying over those, um, Christmas child, um, boxes. Um, we were, uh, filling our boxes during the week and, uh, I just, <laughs> occurs to me every year that um, I'm putting all these little bits and pieces into these boxes and I have no idea where they're going. I have no idea which lap they're going to land in. I have no idea if the things that I'm putting in my box are going to have anything meaningful in them for this child that gets to them. But God knows. God knows what child needs to receive just what's in my box. And while I feel like I'm putting in random things, God knows and it's by his spirit that he makes that box or the boxes, that all of those boxes, reach the child that he wants. Um, it's by his spirit. So um, I want to pray over these boxes that it is God's work. You know, we've each filled boxes but it's God's work that gets them to places and gets them into the laps of the, the children and the things, each box specific for that child. So please join me um, as we pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are good. You are so good. Um, Lord, we just come before you um, in praise and worship, knowing that um, you are so much bigger than us. You go beyond our reach. Uh, you call us to do your work, and yet you are the, it's by your spirit that you work through us. So, Lord, I just um, I thank you for each person that's filled a box uh, in our congregation online of around the world, filling boxes for children for the purpose that they can reach um, children and your message can go to these children. So, Father, I just pray for each and every box that has been packed, that it is by your spirit that those boxes go around the world and are delivered to children. I thank you for all the volunteers that get them all the way. And I pray that for safety for the boxes and the people uh, travelling with them. And Lord, I just ask your blessing on every child that receives a box. I pray that they receive this gift that we've created for them, ready for receiving the greater gift that you have for them. Lord, by your spirit, um, do your work. Uh, reach into the hearts of not just the children that receive boxes, but their families and their, the, the grandmas, the mums, the dads, the brothers, the sisters, the community that they land in. Father, may your word go out, the truth of your love, the truth of your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace, the truth of Jesus and what he's done. May uh, your truth just go into those places that might not be reached in any other way. And Lord, I just pray the same for our own lives. Lord, you call us to do uh, your goodness. You call us to um, send your word out, to share your word with others. And Lord, we um, are so unable. We don't know the conversations that we might have with the people around us, um, what that impact will have. But Father, I just pray that in each and every day, by your spirit, you uh, work through us 
to work through the conversations that we have with our family, with our friends, with our colleagues, with strangers on the street or in the supermarket, wherever. Father, would you empower us just to speak your word, to um, act in a Christ-like way so that you will be known. Um, Just make those everyday interactions of you and help us to do that by your spirit. And Lord, now just this morning, um, I just pray for Adam and Andrew as they come and share with you. Father, may you be glorified. May their words be your words. And that as we listen um, and take in what they're saying, Father, stir in our hearts. May we not go away from today the same, but may we be changed by what we hear. And may you be glorified in this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. And it is a good morning because my girls are in kids' church. (laughs) They're on their best behaviour this morning. It was fantastic to see that. (laughs) Oh, my dad calls that karma. I was a bit like that too, apparently. I was was in Brisbane last week and um, I just felt this is in addition to what I was going to say. Sorry, Mike, but... um, Siren jogged my, my thoughts here, um, and maybe it was God. Um, but I was in Brisbane with a friend, Jeremy, um, who, uh, yeah, hasn't always been in the faith. And it's an interesting story how he came um, into the faith. He was, uh, his parents were involved in Seeds Uniting Church, and um, I just remember that he came along um, with them to check out the church, and I guess his parents dragged him kicking and screaming along. Um, but I just invited him to small group. Um, he was there. I knew his parents. He was a new face and I uh, got chatting to him and invited him along and to my surprise he decided he wanted to come. Um, and, uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. He, he came into the faith um, through that. But I was with him in Brisbane on the weekend and, um, yeah, he, he married a, uh, a non-Christian um, girl, and um, I guess me and my friends have been thinking, where is his faith since then? He's kind of not been involved in the church, and um, I just had an opportunity towards the end of the weekend to to chat to him and just say, where where are you at? Um, and he's still he's still very much in the faith, so praise God for that. Um, Acts sixteen. Before I get into it, let's just pray. God, as um, Andy and I are speaking, I just ask that, um, yeah, we'll all hear more of you and less of less of us, um, that you'll speak to our hearts, God, and uh, Lord, if you wanted to speak to individuals and um, and take take them away from what um, we're saying and take them on their own journey and have a conversation with them, I pray that, um, yeah, people's hearts will be open for that here this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I've been reading Acts 16 the last few weeks, um, and a few things kind of stuck out to me, um, and I'll share them with you now. I, I guess um, I skipped past the first bit where Paul was kind of justifying why he's taking Timothy on the journey with him, and I, I really um, would, was drawn towards the Macedonian call, um, where it's interesting where I'll just read this first bit. And they went through the region of um, Persia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, 
And when they had come up to Mysa, they attempted to go into um, another place, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Wow. God's saying, no, don't go into Asia. I don't want you to go there. I've got something else for you. Paul obviously had a bit of an idea of that's where he wanted to go. Um, but God redirected him somewhere else. And so they kept walking. And that's another bit that kind of stood out to me. They weren't sitting and waiting and going, God, where do you want us to go? They kept walking. And they're walking in a direction in faith, trusting that God was leading and guiding them. And it, for me, there's really something in that. Like, I think God wants to come alongside us. He wants to walk with us. He doesn't want to be the dictator and direct us. This is where I want you to go. He wants to actually walk with us as a friend, as a comrade and a companion and just guide us along our way and say, here's an open door, here's a closed door. And that really that really strikes me in my life as well when I reflect on the way that God's guided and directed me along my path it um, it took me back to um, a, a journey in Canada, I guess. Um, and I was I was in Canada when in my twenties. I decided to go and get a, a two year working holiday visa. Um, I was working in a summer camp, which is another story in itself. But while I was there, and I had plans after summer camp, and I kind of had an idea that I wanted to go work in the snow because it was another thing on my bucket list that I wanted to tick off at that point in time. Um, and so I wanted to go and work a snow season and the, the place that kind of stood out to me was Whistler. That seemed like the obvious place. Um, so I guess at summer camp I had this idea of that's where I was going but God had a different plan for me. Um, I met some New Zealand fellas and yes, I say New Zealand in a New Zealand way. My wife says it in the Aussie way even though she's from New Zealand so I'm, I'm ruined for life after living with these uh, Kiwi guys. Um, but they had planned to go to a place called Fernie that I'd never heard of. Um, and it's this beautiful little town. Um, I won't bang on too much about it, but it's a beautiful little town at the bottom of the Rockies. It's just an awesome community. Um, and I kind of had to switch my mindset in some ways and go where God was leading me to go to Fernie. Um, a bit like Paul probably had a bit of an idea of, I want to go to Asia, but God was like, nah, you're not going there. And then... You know, he came to another town and God was like, well, I don't want you to preach the gospel here either. I've got another plan for you. So switching my mindset, and I wasn't too sure if that's where I was meant to go because obviously I just already thought through that Whistler was the place. But um, I've met these guys at summer camp. I made good friends with them. So I thought, well, I might as well go check out where they're going and go and join the journey with them. It it really was confirmed to me later that that was the right place. Um yeah, we we went with um, a friend, Andrew Borderville and Joe um, Lesky to check out Fernie um, prior to the season starting. And, um, yeah, Bordy's um, dad put us up in a hotel um, for, for the weekend and then he was heading back and, and Joe and I decided we were just going to stick around in Fernie and, and if we stay in the hostel or sleep rough in the park, I don't know, we were having all sorts of wild plans. Um before the season started and then, yeah, after, after two nights in um, a hotel, uh, the, the Sunday morning we checked out and Bordy went back to um, Vancouver and I just felt the night before that God was like, there's Fanny Baptist Church across the road, I just want you to go check it out. 
So Joe and I checked out of the hotel and we, and we walked across the road with all our luggage. I think we actually commandeered a trolley from the supermarket and pushed all our luggage over the road. And it was just an amazing church that was full of young adults. And we, we ended up chatting to some guys and they said, well, come and stay with us for a couple of months until you get your accommodation sorted. So um, it was a real confirmation of, wow, we're in the right place and God led us to the church to then find some accommodation. And we ended up just being involved in this awesome community of um, the Baptist church that were just embedded in different parts of this little township. Um, and later on, uh, one of my good friends, Jeremy, said to me that God had told him, just bless Adam while he's here. Um, so it's just amazing how God leads the way um, and just confirms that that's the place you're supposed to be. So let's go back to Paul and Tim, I guess. <laughs> Um, they, yeah, it was interesting that they were journeying along the way and God said, no, I don't want you to be here. Um, and then also, I don't want you to speak the gospel here. And so they, they waited for a while and then Paul got a vision. And so it, it was a guy in Macedonia saying, come over here and, and share the gospel. Um, so he got the vision and they were off on their way. I just find it really interesting that when he got the vision, he said, um, he concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel to them in Macedonia. So, I mean, he got the vision to come and help, but he still made an assumption this is what we're meant to be doing. Um, and then they landed there, and they were just hanging out for, for three days. Um, and I'm sure there's one point that Timothy was like, are we really heading in the right direction, Paul? Is this really what, where you want us to be going? Um, he, he wasn't really, they weren't really sure what they were doing there. Um, but then they heard that there were, um, people meeting down by the riverside, um, praying. And so it says that they, they supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So, they, they weren't necessarily, God wasn't necessarily going, saying, go and speak to these people. They were just um, taking a step of faith. They heard that, that there was a place of prayer and they just stepped out and wanted to go and, and see if God did something there. And he did. That's where they met Lydia. It tells us that they met Lydia and her heart was open to hear the gospel at that time. I just find it very interesting that God was like, no, I don't want you to go to Asia. No, I don't want you to go preach in Mysa. But he obviously had a clear path and journey to lead him to Lydia, who, whose heart was open at that point in time to hear the gospel. Um, I've got another story that um, it made me think of it, uh, as I was reading that. And when I went back and did my Masters of Landscape Architecture, I made really good friends with a guy there who, um, yeah, I, I didn't say that I was a Christian, but he eventually worked it out. Um, I, I felt at that um, point in time that I just needed to be a friend with him um, and not and not try and um, yeah preach to him or evangelize um, that God just wanted me to be a friend to him first and I felt very specifically that if you know God wanted to um, use me as a part of his journey to coming into faith then um, that was secondary to me being a friend um, he, one night um, when we were studying, um, 
brought up the Bible and wanted to engage in a bit of a debate with me and I, I, um, I immediately felt like I just needed to just shut that down and that was the wrong time at that point in time. Um, so we went through a whole study and finished it together and never really kind of discussed my faith. Um, but it was interesting God's timing, timing for him. Um, he, he got married a few years ago and uh, I remember he specifically said to me, oh, um, I must have been checking in to see how he's going. It was, it was like two or three weeks prior to them getting married. He said, oh, the celebrants pulled out. Um, do you know anyone who can marry us? And I thought, do I know anyone? I've got that many friends who are pastors. Um, so immediately I was kind of like, here's my opportunity. Um, and I just said, God, who do you want me to send him to? Um, and God pointed out a couple of friends. And so I hooked him up with a really good mate who's quite evangelical. Um, and he took him on the journey and married those guys. But they ended up going to a small group at their church. Um, and... It's interesting, just recently he, he switched jobs and um, there were some circumstances that happened um, through that transition and I remember him saying to me, do you ever feel like God just orchestrated those few moments and made that happen? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I do. And I said, I said to him, yeah, I've, I've had, and we had a good conversation about that as well. Um, I just... What really stood out to me in Acts 16 is God knows the timing of our friends, our family, our kids, um, our husband or wife. They know, he knows the timing that their hearts are open to hear the gospel. Um, I, I feel really strongly, I guess, in preparing for this that um, there's a few of us that just need to hear that we need to be the friend, we need to be the husband, we need to be the mum or dad first. And if God wants us to participate in that person's journey in coming to faith, then that's that's a secondary thing, and we're and we're privileged to be a part of that. Um, so that's about it from me. I just want to pray, um, and then I'll hand over to Andrew. Yeah, God, thanks for showing me some stuff, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to share that with everyone this morning. Um, yeah, I just ask that if there's anything that you've spoken to us this morning on our hearts that um, that'll stick and just everything else that I've carried on about will just fall away. Yeah, God, I just ask that we can um, be open to where you want us to speak into others' lives and just be open to the no's as well, um, that we wouldn't feel um, obligated to, to, to preach the gospel to anyone, um, to, to really... Um, force the faith onto anyone. God, I just ask that we will just be a friend, a husband, um, a mum or dad, um, a brother or sister, and just be open to wherever you're leading and guiding us to share, if that's an opportunity that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Good morning, everyone. My name's Andrew, um, if you haven't met me before. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to be able to share this morning with you a little bit. Mike came up to us and, and said to Adam and myself, you know, here's Acts 16. Um, go away and read it and just see what comes out to you. What's, what's God saying to you? And a couple of weeks later, we got together and discovered that we were 
um, Adam was more focusing on the first half and I just naturally tended to focus on the second half. So I'm going to share just, just two points, two things that really stuck out to me today and hopefully they're encouraging to you. Um, I'll just grab my laptop and Dave, if you could put that Bible verse up on the screen. So just before I start reading this scripture, which is Acts 16 from verse 25 onwards, the context was um, there was the slave girl who earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling, and Paul rebuked the spirit. He recognised that there was a spirit going on there, um, something a bit unusual, and the spirit left her, and the owners were furious because she was earning a lot of money for them. So they had Paul and Silas uh, taken off to the magistrates. They were beaten with rods and sent to jail. So Paul and Silas are in jail. So I'm just going to read from verse 25, and you can just follow along on the screen. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. Now, from that passage, there were two things that struck me, and I'm just going to share briefly this morning about those two things. The first thing was that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, when I read that, I started thinking, I wonder what their prayers actually looked like. What were they actually praying? Like, if you could be one of the prisoners listening, what were they saying? Were they asking for deliverance? Were they praying, God, rescue us from this unjust situation? Or were, were they maybe thanking God for the deliverance of the slave girl? Or were they asking God to open people's eyes to the gospel? Were they praying for the, the jailer, the magistrates, the, uh, the, the slave owners that lost their income? Were they praying for them? I'm thinking, what, are, what were they actually praying and then what were these hymns? What were these songs that they were singing? I don't really know many of the songs that they would have sung back then, except I do know that the psalms were commonly sung. And I thought, well, what? maybe they were singing some of the psalms. Which ones? Were they psalms of David asking for deliverance? Or were they those psalms where the psalmist is praising God for all his mighty acts in the past? Or were they songs just praising God for who he was. 
So this was where I, my, my mind went to when I read this passage, and I thought, I might just do a bit of research and see if I can find out anything about the content of their prayers and hymns. But when I did a bit of research, I didn't find any answers. But what I did find challenged me. One commentator said, Are you singing in your prison cell? Are you worshipping Jesus right where he has placed you? Men who sing in prison are men who cannot be imprisoned. You may put these men within your stone walls. You may make their feet fast in the wood of your brutal stocks, but they are not there. They are sitting with Christ in the heavenly places. As to bodily presence, they are there in prison, but as to spiritual essence, they are with God. Now, this really struck a chord with me. Um, Not that my circumstances are anywhere near as bad as Paul and Silas's. I haven't been stripped, beaten with rods and sent into jail. But sometimes we can feel trapped in life circumstances, wishing things were different, feeling frustrated by limitations and restrictions. But are you singing in your prison cell? Are you worshipping Jesus right where he's placed you today? And the question is really, I'm asking myself. I'm not in a horrible situation like that, but I think there are areas that I want to see change, um, areas of life where maybe there's feeling a bit of a restriction or limitations. And I was challenged by that. Am I actually singing and worshipping Jesus even in the midst of that situation? When I close my eyes and worship, am I distracted by the cares of this world? The answer is yes. I often am. I've got a lot of things going on in my mind, uh, things to do, things to remember, and I think I'm quite distracted at times. I was reminded of when Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who um, can put aside the, the cares and the distractions of the world when, they, when they're focused on worshipping God because you'll actually get a clearer picture of, of him. He reveals himself to those who really worship him in that way. So I'm challenged to be like Paul and Silas and in all circumstances to recognise my place in Christ. Do I recognise the presence of God, understanding his intimate care and attention Enjoying participating with him in his work in the world. Which leads me to my second point. The second thing that struck me from this passage was that when the earthquake came and all the doors flung open and Paul and Silas, well, all the doors flung open, Paul and Silas didn't just run out singing and praising God for his deliverance. With such a powerful miracle, you'd be safe to assume that that is why God did it. It's pretty obvious, right? For Paul and Silas's freedom, they were unjustly thrown into jail. There's a massive earthquake. Miraculously, everyone's freed. Okay, so it seems pretty clear. Paul and Silas, you, your, your spot now is to run, and you can praise God and thank him for it, and that's what it should have been. No one would have minded if they did. And you can imagine that the story could have ended like this. So I'm just going to 
read the story again, just a short version, with a slight change. See if you can spot it. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaking. At once, all the prison doors flew flew open and everyone's chains came loose. All the prisoners escaped, praising God for his deliverance, and 300 were added to the church on that day. (laughs) The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and killed himself for failing his duty. Now, if the scripture went like that, no one would actually think it was anything unusual. When Peter was rescued from prison, he just wandered out. But Paul and Silas didn't just run. What struck me from this passage was that When they saw that the jailer was about to kill himself, they stopped escaping, denying their own deliverance, and they put the kingdom of God's purposes first, which is the salvation of lost souls. They were open for business, not purely thinking about their own desires and wants. They may well have prayed for deliverance, but when the choice came between their own freedom and one soul going to hell... They knew and did the will of God. Now, I'm a fairly task-oriented person. When I've got to go to the shops, I'm usually on a time frame and I've got a task to get done. And I felt that this passage reminded me to keep my eyes open to the people around me. I've had two reminders about this recently as well, and it just so happened as I was sort of studying this this passage that these things happened. The first one was a drama with my daughter Chelsea's phone. Um, <clears throat> so she has a mobile phone. She's a year eight. And uh, she went to Marion with, with Ali and they were shopping and she left her phone in the change rooms. And uh, I happened to be down at Marion as well and um, I was doing something different. But it was the shops were about to close. It's just before five o'clock. And I get this phone call from Ali. Uh, We've lost Chelsea's phone. Can you have a look on Find My iPhone and see if you can find it? It's somewhere here at Marion. So I got my phone out and I'm having a look. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Thankfully, the battery wasn't flat like it is half the time. Uh, Yep, I can see it. All right, so I got up and everyone's leaving the shops. I'm moving pretty quick to try and, you know, find it before the shop's shut. Asked at Kmart. No, they didn't see the phone. Um, But then I realised, I think that's out in the car park. So I walked out to the car park and I'm following it, you know, turn this way, follow, there's the phone over there. And I saw these, this couple, this older couple, um, looked like a bit of a disadvantaged background. They were actually going through the bins. They had a trolley full of all sorts of junk that they were trying to get from the bins. And as I was getting closer, it dawned on me, ah, that's where the phone is. They've got the phone. So I went up to them. I said, hello, haven't seen a phone by any chance. Everyone with a pink cover? They said, nope, haven't seen it. Okay, so there's a trolley boy just over here gathering trolleys. I said to him, do you have like, any security or anyone around here that we could get? Because I can kind of see that they've got the phone here on this thing. And I thought, maybe they don't. Maybe it's in the bins. I'm looking around the bins. I'm looking in all the different... Um... Anyway, long story short, Ali rings me up. Have you got the phone? I said, no, but I think I know where it is. And she drove in with Isabel and Chelsea in the back seat in, in tears. And... Uh, we kind of realised that this couple who are about five metres away from us over here have got the phone. And I've already asked them and they said no and they didn't look like the sort of people who you'd want to keep on badgering and pesting about it. So um, at this moment I kind of thought of this verse and I thought, oh, this 
is an unusual kind of moment. I wonder if I'm, am I open for business? Is there something God wants to do here? So Ali drove off and um, I didn't realise, but she actually stopped with the girls and prayed. And she was praying with the girls saying, oh, Lord, we just pray you'd help us to get this phone back because we were about to go on a holiday and Chelsea wanted to take photos, etc. And the girls were quite upset. So she drove off and I thought, well, I guess that's it. And I started wandering off. I get this phone call from Ali and like 30 seconds later she said, um, just after I spoke to you, uh, there was a police car coming past us in the uh, in the car park at Marion and she, Ali went up the wrong way up the ramp and um, chucked a handbrake 360 or something pretty amazing. <laughs> Stopped the police car and told them what was going on. So the police came down, I ran down, I found the police and... Um, I showed them the phone, how these people here have got it, and as soon as these people saw the police, they were off. And they started leaving. So I walked across. The police followed up to them, and eventually we got to these people, and I had two police officers with me, and we went up and said, um, just wondering if you've got that phone, because we can kind of see it's right here with you guys. And they denied it and denied it and denied it. And so it went on for about 10 minutes or so. And uh, in the end... I actually remembered something that uh, an experienced teacher said to me once. He said, when people are cornered, they lie. And um, I thought, these people are feeling quite threatened right now by these police officers because they were big dudes and had their guns. And they're being accused of something. So I just said to the lady, oh, my daughter just left it in the um, change rooms and you might have just found it. Like, you didn't steal it. We're not accusing you of stealing anything. We just want the phone back. Can we have the phone? And then she just gave us the phone. So we got the phone back and I rang Ali and there was great celebration, great joy in the car. And I was like, is that it, God? Is there anything else for me to do here? And I was, the police officer said, do you want to take this any further? I said, no, that's fine. We got the phone. So we went and I think when I look back on it, I think it was a, um, it wasn't like I did anything in that situation, but I think the girls were quite encouraged that God heard that prayer that Ali prayed, and I think it was quite dramatic the way that just within a few seconds of Ali praying, um, these police cars just randomly appeared. So that was encouraging. Um, the other the other thing that I was quite encouraged by along these lines was there's a couple who've come along to our church recently, Maurice and John, and Maurice uh, gave me a note a few weeks ago just to encourage me, and it was just about a story she had where she was open to business open for business with God as well. And she said that she was in Venice one time and uh, she was on a tour or something and she lost John, her husband. Lost my husband. What do I do? So she prayed, God, help me to find my husband. And she felt like God said, uh, just leave him for a bit. Let's have some fun. <laughs> and she understood by that that she wanted um, God wanted to open her eyes to people around her who might need prayer and that sort of thing. So she was wandering around and she found lots of different people to pray for and she had these amazing stories, about three or four testimonies within a one or two hour period of people she prayed for and saw amazing healings take place. So I was encouraged from that, thinking, wow, like you know, if we're just open for business, if we're just not just on that one task that we've got to do, and I'm I this is just for me, like this is just me through and through. I've always got these tasks I've got to get done. And people can kind of just go to the side a little bit because I've got to get there, get that thing done. But uh, to be encouraged, I think, to be open for business, to be available for people that God wants to work in their lives. 
So that's kind of the second point that I was encouraged from this passage about. Some people like to use the quote that a person can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And although I understand the point they're making, I think that more often than not, we need people who are so heavenly minded that they can bring about eternal good to the people around them. As it says in Colossians 3 verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's a challenge for me because when Ali and I were overseas in a mission context, it was easier to set our mind on heavenly things because we knew that was our purpose. But when we're back here in Australia living kind of normal lives with jobs and responsibilities and a lot of sports practices and things like that, it's much easier for our minds to be set on earthly things. But I think about Paul and Silas in prison and they were singing hymns and praying to God in jail but imagine that they weren't. Imagine that they were just complaining about how unfair it was. Imagine about how they were just complaining about this, this is not the sort of treatment that Roman citizens deserve. We're going we're gonna to sort this out. Or imagine if they were just you know, thinking about their next meal or where they were going to go. I think when, those, when that miracle happened, they would have just charged out of there. Oh, God's blessed us. Yay, God's blessed us. We're free. They wouldn't have actually stopped and seen the jailer and thought, oh, he's about to kill himself. We can stop that and we can tell him about Jesus. And I think because they were so heavenly minded, they, were so, they set their mind on things above, they were actually able to be used in an eternal way. And so that's the challenge for myself reading this passage. To, um, to keep my mind and my eyes focused on things above and to, I guess, be open for business be a sort of person who is not just so task-focused that I ignore the people around me who, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows what can happen each day when you go to Bunnings? You never know. But I'm usually so focused on getting that fertiliser that I was going to get that I ignore the people around me. But anyway, it's an encouragement to me, a reminder to me, a challenge to me, and I hope that maybe something from this has encouraged you as well. So thank you. Thanks, Andrew. All right. Well, what we'll do is we'll... Um, why don't we get the uh, worship team up to do one last song? But I, just thought, I had a few thoughts while I was listening to uh, the guys sharing. And um, it reminded me of the kids' song this morning when um, it sort of ended, just sort of abruptly ended. You know, you've got to stop when the Spirit says stop. And it just, it was really fascinating that, did you and Adam sort that out? Did you pick that song based on the, Actually, no. no, it was just a, just a groovy new song. There you go. So yeah, the idea was, um, no matter how groovy you're feeling or how, uh, clear the direction you're going is, um, you've got to stop when the spirit says stop, which I thought was really cool. Um, in, in Acts 16, uh, Paul, uh, Silas and Timothy alongside them ended up in Macedonia, not because of the go. In fact, uh, it was because of the stop, so they were forbidden in verse 6. Uh, in verse 7, they were not allowed. 
and then uh, they pushed on following that guidance until it was made clear. I really liked uh, Adam's thoughts. Uh, it was really interesting in verse 10. Um, I don't know if you can pull it up. Would you? I don't know if you could pull up Acts 16.10. This is actually the first time that we see the switch from third person to first person in Acts. I don't know if anyone sort of has picked up on any of that in the reading, but we see this after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave Macedonia. This is where Timothy actually joins them. So anything up until then was really kind of a retelling of what it had been, what had happened up until that point. And then in 10, it actually becomes, we got ready. God called us to preach the gospel to them. So this is where Timothy is actually talking about his own experience. And it is really interesting that just as kind of Luke did, Adam also then shared that his own experience of, of actually being led uh, by the Spirit, when you push into the direction of the Spirit and allow God to be a guide on your journey, it stops being about they did it and it becomes about we did it or I did it. And similarly, Andrew looked at a different journey, which was uh, in part a spiritual, personal spiritual journey that often happens in our own circumstances or our own situation. And uh, I really like the idea of, you know, are our eyes and hearts open for business? Are we allowing for the guidance that comes through worship, singing, prayer and contemplation to show us our place in Christ? So that was kind of my thoughts. I don't know what you guys picked up, but I thought I'd share them before we went to the last song and I'll hand over to the team and then I'll close in prayer after. Thanks. Thanks, Harmony. I guess similarly this, um, this song talks about um, I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and about searching for the Lord and Him being there. Um, he knows just what we need before we say it. So if you would like to just stand, we're going to just worship again and, and really acknowledge that, you know, thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, you lead us, you guide us. And we are not alone. We are walking in that journey with you. And thank you that, uh, yeah, that you are just prepare the way. And, and we're just so um, thankful for, for that relationship we have with you, Lord. journeys, Lord, that you just continue to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us. And despite the choices that we make sometimes, Lord, that you continue to to be gracious and merciful. Why don't we close in prayer? Thanks for that. Thank you, God, that we can always lean into your guidance and that your spirit is always available. It's always there if we lean in, if we focus ourselves in your direction, if we share our situation with you 
and allow your hand and your spirit to be the guide. Amen. If that's any of today's sort of prompted you to have a think about or you want to get some prayer yourself today or you want to pray with somebody, I'd encourage you to do it. There's plenty of time after church. Uh, there is actually, if you want to meet uh, personal prayer, it's available in the prayer room just in the uh, back of uh, the whole area there. Uh, otherwise, go into your weeks in peace and I hope you have a, a fantastic week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.